This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, to be honest, we've probably given up trying to predict Everton's performances and results at this point. Uh, we were looking forward to potentially Everton's 12th away league win of the season uh, later this week, but now it's it's not transpired that way. Everton played out a pretty pretty bland and pretty disappointing nil-nil draw at, uh, at Villa Park. So I am here to discuss it. I'm your host, Adam Jones. Today joined by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland. And we might as well dive straight in, lads and bees. It was it was a bit it was a bit flat, wasn't it? A bit 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 uninspiring from Everton in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah, like we were saying, when you've had to grind out these results anyway, and it wasn't exactly free flowing football all the time at West Ham United. What, but there was a bit more about them. Carlo had said, hadn't he? It would be very different than the meeting with Aston Villa at Goodison Park, where he'd counted all those individual errors. You know, they were a lot more. Organised and workmanlike, but you know that with with that comes, I suppose, a, a lack of creativity as well. I mean, they did have they did have chances again at times. We've been saying in recent weeks, poor decision making. They just seem to take the the wrong pass or do the wrong thing in in the final third. And uh, Andre Gomez again, a couple of opportunities for him when it when he did come off the the bench. I thought he should have done a lot better with those. But on the whole, yes, it, you know. I, it was a it was a game I suppose it was marginally better than the one at Brighton Hove Albion but yeah one you just have to move on from that one but most disappointing that you know Everton couldn't string together you know consecutive results that's what they'd need a sequence of results on the game they couldn't do it two consecutive matches. Mm. Gav, I think Bees is quite right there. I think you know it, I, I was tweeting this yesterday. Everton haven't built their amazing away form this season on you know swashbuckling. No free-flowing attack and football in any stretch of the imagination. You know, it has been this sort of organised defensive unit and Everton did at least have that yeah. yesterday. But as B's quite rightly said, they just, well, for a start, I don't think they created yeah. enough chances. And for two, the chances that came, they just didn't take, did they? Yeah, I was just I was just thinking, B's has just redefined the phrase, uh, damning with faint phrase, uh, <laughs> phrase there, isn't he? By saying it was marginally better than Brighton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I was sad. That I can't even remember Brighton, so I assume. I, I assume was there, what and I can't saying, remember right? it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wiped it out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. I just thought it was. It was. Yeah, I, I seen what you said yesterday. I think you said in your piece afterwards that they, they found this season on a on a away form on a on a sound record. Is that four or five clean sheets on the bounce now? It's away from home, but we've offered. I mean, we've had some good performances. Leicester away, Wolves away, Leeds played really well in those three games. Um, that, I we played players on the opening day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironically, you know, um, some of our poorer ones have been against teams in the second half at you know, bottom half of the table. And that was, you know, that was a similar game to the Arsenal game, wasn't it, yesterday, I thought. Um, we mm. played much, much better at West Ham, where we obviously had the game plan, we just adhered to it. It was quite easy to to, to carry out. Yes, it's like a, like a home, isn't it? That's where we've got to go for it a little bit more and make things happen ourselves. Is That's when we're, we're found wanting a little bit at the moment. And I, I think you said also as well, whether you, I know which I agree, that whether three, three at the back was a waste. 
against Villa yeah. Baby should have just had two centre halves and two uh two full backs and had three midfield, three up front. He was screaming out for that for me. You were playing Villa, mm-hmm. let's face it. When Grealish isn't playing and I know Wally Watkins wasn't playing yesterday. Pretty much, you know, they're average, aren't they? Mid table. Mm. And they've done well to get there. So we've got to go for a little bit more in terms of the lineup, haven't we? You know, three three centre halves and two full backs. Plus Decore and Allen aren't gonna exactly score, you know, like you know, you know, a number of goals for it, are they? Um mm. it was Cream of four three three yesterday. And when we went for a little bit in the second half, thinking it's a bit too little too late here. Mm. I mean, I think picking up on that point, Bees, I think Gav's mm. Gav's exactly right. You know, with Ollie Watkins not playing, I think Dean Smith admitted it after the after the game that, you know, Aston Villa didn't have those runners, you know, in behind or, you know, somebody who was going to be closing down the centre-backs all that time. It was Keenan Davis, who's a very, very different sort of striker. And I, I personally think he's somebody that Keenan Godfrey, for example, could have coped with by themselves. So, you know, the, the presence of having Mason Holgate there you know, while it did, you know, provide a, a very good defensive shield for Everton, I think Everton could have kept the same defensive shield and afforded another player an attack if they'd have if they'd have swapped Holgate out for say, you know, even a Josh King or you know, like a Bernard or a Wobie or something like that. Yeah, I think I saw a stat doing the rounds um, for the game yesterday that uh, Everton were one of the, I think, the only team in the Premier League and the, the ones throughout the Football League who, who hadn't um, been beaten by three goals all season. So you, you know they're not going to get, <laughs> they're not going to get turned over, not going to get battered. But yeah. yeah, in these in these games against supposedly lesser opposition, well, let me say supposedly, you know, they're, they're below Everton in the table. I think man for man, their resources are, are less. Yeah, there's definitely. Um, an argument to be said that Everton should be more expansive of, um, again with the three centre-backs I mean I think I don't know it's um, it's it's having experienced the Walter Smith years I'm, I'm always very nervy about the three centre-backs with, with Everton anyway but yeah Carlo obviously knows how to play that system and um, he's, he's comfortable with that it's done well for Everton at times of season but yeah this is one of those games where you think especially given that they needed the win to get that to sort of close that gap on those teams above them now in this final push for Europe, that could have been more of a um, attack miners. You know, Ollie Watkins, like we said, has run them ragged at times at, at Goodison Park, and obviously he's scored that goal in the corresponding fixture only a few days earlier. But yeah, without him in the side, Grealish didn't come on until later. Of course, that did give them something extra, and he was, um, you know, full of his box of tricks when he did come on. But for yeah, over an hour there, it was Villa were there to, to be got at, and they, they had been more attacking players on, on the pitch. Everton might have carved open a, a few more opportunities, but as it was, the again the, the forward players were, were feeding on scraps a, a lot of the time, and Calvert Lewin had a couple of good chances forced. Uh, couple of good saves out, out the keeper, but Richarlison's re- really struggling at the moment. He had that great purple patch, was it something like six goals in six games? I think it's 10 games without a goal now, and um, he needs to hit form right now, really, and otherwise, it, again, it's just everyone's going to feel fit uh, fall just shorter for you. Mm. Well, it's another game that highlights Everton's lack of creativity, doesn't it, Gav? I mean, when James Rodriguez isn't in this team, <laughs> You know, Luca Dean yeah. is Everton's second most creative player, and you know while it's while it's obviously fantastic that Everton have got a left back who can create so many chances, it shouldn't yeah. be the case that he is the most creative player on the pitch. Everton need 
somebody a little bit further forward than that to be taking up that mantle, don't they? Yeah, well, Sigerson shouldn't, Terry. Well, Kays as well, shouldn't he? I think in that system, it, it doesn't really suit him, does it? Like, I, I don't know exactly. The third man in the, in the midfield there is, is really his game, is it? No, no, exactly. Um, and I'm just the way it's like out of me mouth there, to be fair. Um, seriously, uh, no, but As it I'm is that, that goes back to the system. That goes back to what the system we were talking about at the start, had, you know, that it's not going to get the best out of Sigurdsson, I think, either. Um, yeah, I mean, it's set pieces, isn't it? And, Rodriguez and maybe Sigurdsson and 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 Dina. Um, and with all due respect, Richard, Richardson can occasionally. Andre Gomez has popped up with the odd one or two, but it's it's just a lack of creativity. And we were just, you know, I was watching the second half yesterday, and and you're thinking, just we're offering nothing here, mm. you know, which we as we've done away from home. You know, for a large part of the the, the new year, and I'd, I'd, and I, I said that points to a lack of creativity, and we shouldn't be reliant on Hammers just to produce the goods for us all the time because he's only going to be fit at best fifty percent of the time, as we've seen, or in the team fifty percent of the time. Yeah, and mm. that's just reflected our goals. To I mean, since you've had that early flurry at the start of the season, maybe we had what five, four, two. I mean, I would imagine we got what twelve goals in our first four games, something like that, in the Premier League. We've probably averaged less than a goal a game since then, haven't we? Yeah. Um, which, if you want to get in Europe, that's not a great uh, great return, even if you are keeping it tight at the other end. Hmm. Yeah, so, Carlo's spoken before, hasn't he, about transfer targets. Just a increase in creativity um, from from the midfield. Actually, strangely at thought, you may want to talk about Gomez, but when he, and maybe because of the time of the game he came on, when he actually thought... At least he was trying to be a little bit dynamic when he came on. Gomez, that was just my he saw a bit of the ball and stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was, um, it was, it was di- difficult, wasn't it? For I think is it, you know, if you start off with three at the back and the midfield set up like it is, do you have difficulty changing a gear during the course of the game? Mm. Yeah, you know, you're going from a very low base, aren't you? To, Something that you want to where you want to really impose yourself on the opposition, and I think that's a really difficult thing to do when you've started off from a low defensive base at the start of the game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, these, I mean, it's easy to look back on these kind of games with, with hindsight, isn't it? But before the game, how surprised were you to see Tom Davis drop from the starting lineup? Because I thought he was very, very good against West Ham, he allowed Allen to put in one of his mm. best performances in an Everton shirt. And I know, obviously, Abdelfai Decore came back and it was great to see him back. But I, st- I, I was still personally a little bit surprised that, uh, that Tom dropped out again. Yeah, it's a, um, I think he can count himself very unfortunate in, in that respect. You say on the man on the course, fit again, Abdelfai Decore, who until he had his injury problems, have been more or less first ta- name on the team sheet, I imagine, for most of the season. You know, he, he played so many minutes. So if... Carlos feels that it's, it's time to bring him back in. That, that's fair enough. But yeah, the, Davis, unfortunate to be the man who who did miss out. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson again was perhaps seen as being someone to be a bit more creative. And there we are saying that Everton do need that creativity. But again, was it a great deal um, from him? I imagine that with these games coming so thick and fast now for this last um, 
segment of the, the season, what is it, is it, four games in the space of 10 days, something like that, just two days rest between Sheffield United and two days again before Wolves, Carlo will inevitably shuffle his pack again and try and find the, the, the right blend in, in the midfield for those games. But Tom can definitely count himself um, unlucky to be the one who did have to miss out on, on that occasion. And he, he may well be be back in, um, I, I would imagine, either on, on, on Sunday or Wednesday. He's, he's going to be getting some mi- minutes. But yeah, he can feel it. He can feel a bit ag- aggrieved by uh, that particular decision. But so, I mean, somebody had to make way for the Corey. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What do you reckon, Gab? Do you think anything would have been much different if Davis had been in for, you know, let's um, say for the no. game, if he'd have been in for Sigurdsson? Only for the change of formation to a 4 3 3. Yeah, uh, I think um, I can see I can I can see why he was dropped because the the, the I think Carlo spoke about Tom after the, the West Ham game. He said about needing to do more with the ball, and we spoke about at the pod on uh, Monday or Tuesday, saying that he's more. We think that the role is more for him as more of a defensive midfielder um, as a holding player, and I think last night. I think obviously Carlos thoughts. Well, if I've been playing three at the back, I don't need a whole midfield player as well. Mm. So therefore, I can I can have my two midfielders. Especially if the if the um, playing by two fullbacks as well, I, I can have my two midfielders who are, who are a little bit more box to box. The pair of Mitchell and Decore uh, are. So I think I think it was uh, well, to to quote one of Carlos' favourite phrases. I think it was a technical decision. Yeah, I'd rather than rather than a critique of Tom's uh, Tom's form. Uh, mm. To be fair, I think it was just setting up that middle two uh, to suit the 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 bank of three defenders and the four in midfield really. And mm. um, I don't think it's it's really Carlo criticising Tom there. I think it's just a tactical thing with the with the two in the middle. Mm. I mean, sticking with you, Gav, as well. I mean, we've talked about. Richarlison's form a little bit earlier, but what do you make of him and Calvert-Lewin as a partnership? Because I saw a few people on social media throughout the game yesterday th- think saying to themselves, these two don't really link up together. They don't really create that many chances for each other, do they? And that, I think that is, that is something that I've noticed over the last few weeks. Yeah, well, this this I think this came to a head on, Saturday, on Sunday, wasn't it? Where in the aftermath of the game against West Ham, there was, uh, there was various... You know, comments on social media. Do they actually like each other? You know, <laughs> you know so that, but obviously, at the same time, sure, in the game, the, the last thing they paid to want to do is pass to each other. Uh, and, and, and I get that. Um, I, I, I just, there's a couple of things going on there, Ad. I think, first of all, is you don't know, a front pair, and it's a very rare thing, isn't it, in football these days? You don't often get it for a start. Um, are they two? They similar type of players, similar physiques, similar styles of play. You know, Carl, you know, well, Richardson's good in the air as well, isn't he? Uh, are they two similar to make it work? Um, do you, you know, do you need two slightly um, two dissimilar centre forwards? And also as well, if they don't play for one another, that is, isn't that something that is a um, isn't that sort of reflecting the fact that there's no creative, very little creativity going on elsewhere? So we can't get the ball into meaningful positions for them to create create in the first place. I think that comes into it. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't. I think it's it's sort of 
coming back into vogue playing two up top. Um, but you've got to have the right two. And I'm not sure whether at the moment that I mean, you said early on in the year, early on in the season when they started doing this, it's more to choose suit Richarlison, that isn't it, than Carvert Lewin. Mm. Yeah. Because Carvert Lewin is, is a natural on a four three three, isn't he? Centre forwards, get out wide, get to the byline, get crossed and all that type of stuff. Let him let him finish. Uh, it, I think it's more to suit Richarlison, but yeah, it's doesn't strike as a natural uh, relationship at the moment, but there's many different reasons for that, I think. Mm. What do you make of the relationship up front, Beast? Is it something that you yeah. want to see in these last few games of the season, or would you rather, you know, see you know, Richarlison move that wide, whether it, whether he's going to like it or not? Like, yeah. it, he seems to he seems to perform his best for Everton when he's playing from the left, cutting inside, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think that is his whether it, what he thinks is his favourite position. I think that is where he's he's most effective. I mean, going back to what Gav said, I mean, a lot of modern strikers now, they, they are used to, to leading the, the line on their own. And I suppose when, uh, all those years ago, when Inchi Heath got injured, they were saying Graham Sharp and uh, Andy Gray were too similar. But, I mean, they obviously had a hugely effective partnership. But, yeah, it's different now, isn't it? Because... Like I said, they, they grow up. They're not usually playing as a pair, as as you know that four four two, which was such a sort of standard formation in the British game for for many years, has, has been eroded in in recent years. And it, it's it's you know it's all about having inverted wingers coming inside the other way and still getting the crosses in for a centre forward like Calvert Lewin. Whereas Rashalison is that different type of attacker. He'd be one of those ones, like we said, on maybe on his right foot coming inside from the left, or even moving out to. Right hand side, it's weird. He's sort of really blown hot and cold. I mean, obviously, Calvert Lewin can be streaky as as well, but you know, like we're saying, ten games now without a goal for Richarlison, and he, he, it it seems to um, affect him, doesn't it? When it, when it, when he's not got one, he, yeah, he's not the main striker, but he does like to be in the goals. Yeah, I mean, it was it was unfortunate, obviously, that uh, that Leno one went down as, as an Oggy at Arsenal, you know, because you know, he had the, he had the shot and target, and obviously, just went under his body so I mean it, I suppose it had I don't like them being given his own goals but I can obviously understand why that one had to be maybe that one had been credited to Richarlison he, he wouldn't be so prickly at, at the moment but no they don't they don't create a lot for each other I think any sort of suggestion they don't like each other I think that, that's a bit nonsense I'm not sure where no. that one's um, come from but yeah they're, they're, they're not sort of feeding each other in are, are they and like I said Calvert-Lewin's supply lines tends to come more from whether it's the Luca Dean crosses, stuff like that, or maybe even Seamus Coleman or whoever's getting up on the other side or a threaded through ball from, um, I was going to say Hammers Rodriguez, but from Bed Godfrey at West Ham United. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, th- I think that I'm going to go going for it. I mean, there's been fears, obviously, that, you know, the way Richardson's been talking in previous summers, that he, you know, might, might have his... Uh, Eyes elsewhere, but I mean, it'd be a it'd be a bad summer for Everton to sell this, this year, given all that's gone on in the world, and you might not get the type of uh, value you get for a, a top player like that. So you got to hope they can hold on to Richarlison. But I think going going forward, he's, he's he is most effective when he's cut inside. Mm. I think what's interesting to me, Gab, is that Richarlison's purple patch tended to uh, coincide with Calvert Lewin's little spell out of the team with injury, and Richarlison yeah. was then. The main man up front, obviously, you know the the big one was that he got that goal uh, very early on at Anfield, didn't he? With it, with that kind yeah. of you know leading striker running behind, and he, he looked he looked quality then, didn't he? And I, to be fair, I think he looked quite good against West Ham as well. 
uh, at the weekend, despite not really getting the break in front of goal. But you know, as as Bees rightly says, there, you know, it it it's, it is something that that does need to be solved, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, that goes back to goes back to what I was just saying previously. That if they both think that's their best position, you know, leading the line, and and that the stats and performances will probably prove that. Say this year is, but that's as individuals, isn't it? It's a different dynamic when there's two, and. Mm. I think you've seen that, isn't it? You're playing a completely different role, and it, it, the, the players around you are playing a completely different role. So it, it, ego, it doesn't follow that. If you've got two players who are both like playing up top, that when you play up top together, they're going to be as effective as playing as individuals. It doesn't work like that. And um, I think you've seen that. Because one of the things as well is, especially if Carver Lewin playing up front, what you lose then is Richarlison's creativity and general, you know. Um, Effectiveness out wide, then don't you? You lose that. He's playing in the middle, so you you know losing that angle. So yeah, it, it's. A, I mean, Carlos played four four two a lot. I think hasn't he as well uh, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I do I do think, I, I think they were trying to, you know, I feel comfortable uncomfortable giving Carvalho Lewin's comments here this week criticizing Carvalho Lewin by the way being a fully paid up Everton dar. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, so you may. Be, I'm not going to give. I'll give the Charleston stick, but I feel very uncomfortable giving Cavalier any stick at the moment. He's so I'm going to. He's listening. Yeah, he yeah, he's listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, <laughs> I he, think I've got to be in the Everton dark category now, Gav. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if the Charleston says the same thing, when Nakadam or I am, you know, um, no. But I, I think. Um, yeah, I think Richarlison, he's suited to that single striker role as well, isn't he? And mm. um, But I do think it's going back to my digital point. It's not necessarily just their problem, I think it's just generally the lack of creativity in the team because they're only mm. going to be as good a partnership as the people around them. Like you just said there, bees, you know, show my effort and dark credentials <laughs> again. Uh, you know, and he said Andy Gray and Graham Sharp would never work, but it did because you had Kevin Seedy and Sabah Stephen playing out wide. You know, reading brace well behind them, you know. Um, so th- that makes the partnership work. Mm-hmm. But Evan haven't got players of that quality behind the two of them. They've, they've got players of decent quality. And Ben Hammers is playing top quality. But if you don't give them enough uh, to work off, then they're going to struggle, aren't they? And, and you're seeing that, aren't you? I mean, we just had the conversation about our lack of creativity, haven't we? Mm. I mean, saying that, though, it did... It did... It did work. Well, I would I would say it definitely worked when Carlo first came in, didn't it? You know, well, Duncan Ferguson first brought in, you know, playing with yeah. Charleston and Calvert Lewin up front, and then you know Carlo kind of inherited it, and it did work for the first few months. Is that was that maybe just a, a new manager bounce like that was that was overtaking everything else, or was it was it something in the way that Everton was setting up that's different this time? Uh, if you wanted me to answer that, I think uh, some. Going back to what I've said all season, compared to when Carl, uh, Carlo came in, um, that was proper football, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we are seeing artificial football, and I think that's affecting performances for the start. So that's the first difference of that between now and early 2020. Uh, maybe a little bit of new manager bounce, um, perhaps. Um, 
but I, I, I think it's I do, I do think you you really underestimate the the impact of no crowds and all this stuff that's been going on for the last what eighteen months now mm. on players' performances. And I think I think that's contributed a hell of a lot. Uh, that's mm. always my default answer. This type of stuff, <laughs> I think, in some respects. But it has to be though, doesn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know whether you watch. You, I mean, you watch Liverpool Man. You know, I don't want to talk about Liverpool Man United, but I will because the game on afterwards. Uh, and and I thought I thought it'd be hard pressed to see two teams who passed the ball worse than Aston Villa and Everton <laughs> yesterday <laughs> until I see Man United last night. You know, yeah. I felt quite confident about that. You know, but that wasn't that wasn't a Man United Liverpool game last night that you got in front of mm. a full house. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it just wasn't. Um, and and I think and, and I'm bringing it back to Everton. That has to affect our performances and the way we judge them. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, bees were speaking about artificial football there. Everton mm. welcome Sheffield United at home on a, on Sunday evening. That's going to be the last game. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the last game oh. that, that's going to have that's yeah. going to have no supporters at Goodison Park because next time I'll still have six and a half thousand fans there. <laughs> they've, they've just got to try and battle through this in any way, shape, or form, haven't they? Really? Yeah, they can't come uh, soon enough. There, uh, the, the return of the fans. Um, Dominic Calvert Lewin's uh, boyhood club. Also, before we move on as well, so don't know what those Everton Dars would have made of his uh, bobble falling out of his ponytail. Uh, <laughs> uh, You'll <laughs> <laughs> just search for that on the turf. Unfortunately. <laughs> He did find it, and uh, yeah, <laughs> crisis yeah, yeah. was averted. But yeah, yeah, we 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 saw it earlier in the season. It be that brief interlude where, for three games, was it Everton did have a li- very limited number of supporters, two thousand in Goodison, but they got them over the line in a couple of tough Premier League games against Chelsea and Arsenal. Again, didn't work against United in the, the Carabao Cup. But yeah, there's going to be even more. Six and a half thousand. Fortunately, it's not ten thousand, but it's six and a half, isn't it, for the for the midweek game with uh, with Wolves? So yeah, it's it's that it's that last one. I mean, I've talked about it a lot of times, as we know, the erosion of uh, total erosion of home advantage, not just Everton across the Premier League, United are another of those teams who suffered from that. But it, it needn't be a disadvantage. Um, I was speaking to Michael Keane earlier. It's a piece we've got out going on. Sunday, and we did ask him about that. To be fair, I mean, we'll see that on Sunday what his answer was to that. But yeah, I tell you, now he couldn't put his finger on it. Um, it he doesn't think that there's any particular reason why it has happened. But yeah, I mean, Sheffield United. To be fair, they could probably argue they're one of the teams who've been affected the most by by this. I think Everton have been affected a lot. To be fair, Liverpool probably been affected a lot as well with the the absence of the fans and what that's done. I mean, Sheffield United are a classic sort of newly promoted team, second season syndrome, isn't it? They, they, you know, they're on uh, off to a flyer, go great first year, and then they drop like a stone second year. But they could argue they wouldn't have been as wretched as they have been, and they would have probably picked up a few more points if they'd have Bramall Lane um, bouncing on many of occasions this season. So yeah, it, 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 it's just one that Everton's got to get get over the line. And we've talked about must wins. It's got to be a it has to be a must-win if Everton are still aspiring for European football in, in some guys next season. Yeah, they, they, they've got to get through this one and, and then on to Wolves and hopefully the, the crowd can help them through that one. Mm. 
Gav Carlo Ancelotti was speaking about this game yesterday in his pre-match press conference, and he told his tired to uh, to pay attention to, against <laughs> Sheffield United, which I think is probably a very uh, a very damning sort of phrase considering the the home form that they've had, isn't it? And I, I, think yeah. he, I think he's spot on. You know, Sheffield United are coming into this bottom of the league, but you know, the, this Everton is still going into this game with a certain amount of nerves, aren't they? And that and that's so weird to talk, uh, talk about uh, the game. Absolutely. Just go, just going back to Carvalhoon, not not the first striker to blame, blame something on a bad bobble, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I've, I've done that that's happened to me in five aside loads of times, to be honest with you, blame yeah, on a bad yeah. bobble. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the warning signs are there, Dad. I mean, it's not that we've lost to other relegated clubs at Goodison this season, is it? Hmm. You know, yeah. look, what's our record? What's our record being like against teams at the bottom? You know, Burnley. You know, with all due Fulham, respect, obviously, they, yeah, yeah, Fulham. You know, they home and away. Brighton, we struggled away from home near the bottom. You know, um, Newcastle. Palace, we struggled at Goodison. Newcastle got beat. Um, you know, it, it's all the evidence is there, isn't it, for Carlo to say that? There's an interesting point though. They're just picking up. It is relevant to tomorrow, isn't it? That. If we decide, I think Carlo said this in his aftermath about that. Would you be taking four points from the two away games this week? Yeah, that 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 is a really good point, isn't it? Like I remember, uh, like he did say that, and I thought to myself, yeah, well, you know, go go. If, especially if, if, you won the form West Ham, we're in. West Ham, we're yeah. in. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. you say, well, we beat West Ham, and well, okay, yeah. But would you taking four points from two games this week? Yeah, I probably would have. If we went on Sunday. And again, big if, and we have a long history of not, and we need to make a statement, we don't. But we can eminently win on Sunday. Or oh, you're talking talk about seven points in three games. It is, yeah, okay. I'd have yeah. that. Um, so, well, I can see why Carlo said that. He, he's, he's firing a shot across the bows of the players there, isn't he? He's messed up against teams at the bottom. At Goodison so far this season, don't let it happen again. And uh, I think he's very wise to say that because it'll just... It'll, we need to show a little bit more attack and endeavour than what we did uh, on Thursday and what we've shown of some games at Goodison this year, though, to be fair. Mm. Beast, it's still the hope that James Rodriguez can train today and tomorrow in the hope mm. that he can be fit for Sunday's game. How crucial do you think that's going to be for Everton? It's a massive difference, isn't he? When he, when he is fit, I mean, that's the sort of um, the payoff that they've, they've had to have with James Rodriguez this season, and it's to get a a player of his quality, I've said on this podcast before now, there's an argument to say he's the you know most gifted outfield footballer to ever come to Everton, but he's maybe not at the peak of his powers now at, at 29. <laughs> Gav just <laughs> reacting to that one. But, um, <laughs> but you, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, you know, I mean, give him what he's, I mean, you know, he was, he was, yeah, I mean, he was top scorer in a World Cup tournament, wasn't he? Yeah, no, no. He should have no, no, no. been player of that tournament, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, he's up, he's up there, isn't he? So, yeah, but, absolutely. You know, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be at Everton if he was at that just now. And you know, he's twenty he's twenty nine now. He has had injury problems, and you know, he, he can't be discounted. Obviously, so much has been made. Obviously, of that Virgil Van Dyke injury in the derby, but before that even happened, you know, Van Dyke went through the back of Hammers, and that seemed to be the start of his you know his current struggles in 
in and out. I'm not saying he wasn't a picture of health, you know, never missed a game before that, but he, he probably pleasantly surprised Evertonians with his level of fitness early in the season. He'd looked sharp and he'd also he'd done well even with, you know, that infamous game early in the season at West Brom. He didn't do a single sprint according to the official <laughs> um, statisticians yet, had, you know, had ran the game without running. Um but yeah, you're not going to get, you know, he's not durable enough to get 50 games out of him in a season or anything like that. But so, you you know, you cherish those moments when he, he is on the pitch. It is frustrating. You can see Carlos getting frustrated. I mean, there's a Colombian journalist who, you know, is, is on the press conferences and he's obviously very interested in Hamas's condition. And he perhaps probes Carlo a bit more than um, Carlo wants to be at, at times. I thought that, that, that was probably as spiky as you're going to see Ancelotti in a, in a press conference um, a few days back when he was asking about um, that one. But, the, the, yeah, the, you get him out, out on the pitch and, you know, he's always going to give you that quality. He can do things nobody else in that current Everton team can do. So you do cherish every moment he's on there. But you just perhaps got to realise he's not going to be there all the time. But, it, you know, you know it, it is frustrating because, you know, he, he's in and out and he can't always get that rhythm. So, yeah, you're just happy when when he is out there. Mm. Gavin, I'm going to give you a bit of a tricky question. I don't know how much you love them. <laughs> Nine <laughs> points left to play for. How many do you think Everton needs to secure Europe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, considering we don't know how many places are definitely <laughs> Europe, that's the first point, isn't it? Yeah. The, the yeah. second point is... Um, you're, when we say Europe, are you including Conference League in that ad? Yeah, I'm including the Conference League. Yeah. Okay, okay, we'll have that. Um, you know, and also that wouldn't enable me to be a you know a visionary regarding other teams' results. Which considering <laughs> I can't even get my own my own team's results right. You know, you are asking the impossible question. You know, but that's what I'm here for. I think, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, they, you'd put it this way. I think if we win our next two, which we are very capable of, I would think Wolves at home might be a difficult game for some mm. reason. Win our next two, I think we can go into Manchester City away, perhaps, you know, um, you know, to quote, paraphrase Kevin Keegan famously, we've got to go to Man City and get something on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I would um, love it. I would love it, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think if we win our next two, I think we can be in with a shout. But it's all if busts and maybes about who's won what and you know. I mean you've got this nightmare scenario, haven't you? If Chelsea don't win the Champions League and win don't get in the top four, but win the Champions League and all this type of stuff, you know. Um and like as you say, it's it's all a bit up in the air. Um but I'd I'd say I mean, what are we now? Fifty fifty six, are we? Fifty six? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Level with Spurs. That'll take us to 60. I'm just thinking of West Ham, who are on 58. If we can get 62, West Ham are on 58, are they? They've got three easy games, haven't they? Yeah. We, we, it, 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 it's, it, you can see a position where we, us and West Ham both go into the last game on 62 points. But we've got City away, and I don't know who they've got. They've, they got they've Southampton got at home last South, game. Southampton at home. Oof. You know, so <laughs> that that will possibly be for six. But Arsenal are coming up on the rails, aren't they? That was a great result for me on the week. So yeah, it's we could do a whole pod. In fact, you wasted this uh, pod. Actually, we could have just done <laughs> we could have just done thirty five minutes on uh, not on our lack of creativity and you know 
pop bubbles and stuff. We could have just done it. You know, what are the what are the Europe? You know, what are the options? Well, I think it's yeah. staggering that Everton are still actually mathematically in contention for the Champions League. They, Champions League. Every, <laughs> everyone's got to lose. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. got to win them all. Uh, yeah. Everyone's got to lose. In other words, I'd answer the question, yes, but we need to win our last two games and go into the last game of the season, you know, and even to get something from the city, which may be difficult, but, you know, we'll see. Right. Well, before we move on to the customary predictions, Gav, mm. how gutted were you that Everton weren't in Royal Blue? Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I love the amber kit, but I love the old blue kit even more, you know. Mm. <laughs> and, 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 and I know awful. you mentioned it, but... Yeah, but it was. I just think I feel because Phil is such a you know an old fashioned ground as well, and they're a similar club in terms of their, their historical stature and you know how they're regarded and stuff. It always seems great when we you know it's the most played fixture in English league football Everton Aston Villa. It, it, it's rich in history, you know, and uh, you know I always think an all blue kit there always has resonates a little bit more. And uh, I was very disappointed to see the the, the amber, which is still nice, isn't it? Um, yeah. But I was disappointed to to see that uh, that we didn't wear it last night. I know we wore it at West Ham, didn't we? Uh, yeah, but maybe that blame it on that ad, you know. Yeah, that's it. Just you blame just, it on that. that you know? Disappointment for Gav. The, <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> didn't bring yeah. three points. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on to some predictions. Bees Everton against Sheffield Ooh. United, seven p.m. Sunday evening. An absolutely horrendous kickoff time. Can I just can I just point out that's just ridiculous? But anyway, we uh, we move uh, Everton against Sheffield United. What's your what's your score prediction? Well, I don't know why, but I'll just be positive. Two 0 Everton. Oh, we like it. We like it, Gav. I, I was going to say the same thing there, Chris. Is that the second time that's happened this week? Uh, yeah, we both went Everton nil, yeah. didn't we? And saw all that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think we got to go. With... <laughs> No, well, I'll, I'll raise Chris one. I'll go. I'll go three yeah. nil. Uh, I, I foresee the the Calvert Lewin, Richarlison partnership coming to fruition. I'll get them on listening to this podcast and stuff. And mm. uh, you know, and and it'd be good to see uh, for an Everton Dar to see Calvert Lewin score a <laughs> score a couple on uh, on Sunday. You know. Yeah. As much as I'd love to see us keep a clean sheet, and I think we should be keeping a clean sheet yeah. against Sheffield United, considering the calamity of errors that we've had in defence over our last yeah, few home right. games, I've just got no, I've got no confidence that it's going to happen. So I'm going to, I do think Calvert Lewin's going to score though, and he might score a couple. So I'm going to, I'm going to say three yeah. one. I'm going to go quite confident and say three one. I'm probably going with my heart more than my head there because Everton really should be beating the bottom place team at Goodison, but. You know, as as we've as we've talked about previously, we've seen a uh, we've seen how many how many Goodison games have gone awry in that sense in the past, haven't we? Yeah. Goodison anyway, <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers <laughs> crossed. We'll be back at the start of next week to talk over Everton's game against Sheffield United and to look ahead to fans returning to Goodison Park for Everton's game against Wolverhampton Wanderers in midweek next week. Thank you, lads, for joining me, and thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.